Yeah, hello, my name is Terry Steffi. I'm the founder and owner of Dibbleville Woodworks. I'm also a member at large for the CMA Board of Directors. I would like to welcome you to the episode 10 of Pro Cabinet Maker, a monthly podcast produced by the CMA. Each month, we will speak with industry professionals about issues and challenges that affect all of us in the industry, along with some success stories and ideas for all of us to take away. My guest today is Marcus Watersworth, president of Waterworth's Woodshop in Viking, Minnesota. Marcus has been named to the FDMC Woodworking Network's Top 40 Under 40 once in 2017 and again in 2022. Waterworth Woodshop has also won multiple Wood Diamond Awards from the CMA. Welcome, Marcus. Why don't we start by giving us some background on Waterworth Workshop and your personal journey to president? Thanks for having me here. I sure appreciate it. So basically, the short story of Waterworth Woodshop started off with my father, uh, Tim Waterworth. Um, it was his brainchild, basically. He was working at a commercial cabinet shop. What he did there was in the specialty department. He made a big elaborate counters and such. And while he was doing that, he had his own little hog farming operation. He decided at that point, basically, that the hog farming either needed to grow or die. It was just to a point where it was one or the other. It just wasn't penciling out anymore, and he decided to hang that up, basically. At that point, while he was working at the commercial cabinet shop, there was a lot of demand for residential stuff, but they did not do that at all. So he made an agreement with the owners that he would continue working there if when they got calls for residential cabinets, if they would send him his weight. And they said, yeah, of course we do that. We get a lot of calls for it. So he turned his hog operation at that point, his hog barns into a custom cabinet shop for residential work. So he did that and he did it uh, on his own for a number of years. He had a lot of people that knew he did woodworking for a day job that were always asking him for it. He probably did, you know, I don't know, a few kitchens a year, some other uh, projects, gun cabinets, that sort of thing. And he did that my entire childhood. Me and my brother and my sister helped out with that a lot. As I kept working with that and he kept having, you know, more and more demand all the time. When I was in college, I decided, you know, I was working there and going to school and I decided, you know, I kind of prefer doing this basically. And I'd go to college during the day and I'd come and work at the cabinet shop in the evenings. And I said, you know, I think, I think this is what I want to do. And he told me, he said, you can do this. I'll sell it to you, but you need to get a college degree of some sort still in case this doesn't work out for you. So I said, okay, well, I Basically, I switched from university to the tech school immediately, and they actually made a tech program for me, business management at the local tech school. So I actually have an associates in business management from the local tech school. They basically put me through a whole bunch of different classes that were, it was a program that they basically made up for me, I should say. They, they put me in drafting, they put me in business law, they put me in business management, entrepreneurship, they, they just put me in all kinds of courses. And it ended up being a great way for me to learn. It really put me into all kinds of uh, helpful courses that really did. You know, I learned accounting. I learned a lot of basics and everything. So I'm very grateful for what the college did for me there. My two-year degree, I, I talked to a lot of my friends that got me bachelor's in, in business. And I, I feel like I know as much as they did coming out of their bachelor's degrees there. So I was very thankful for that. So as soon as I got done with my degree, I remember I was just finishing up and I remember thinking, okay, I got to make this work. I have to be able to have enough work for myself to keep this a full-time job. While I was going to school, I remember I started advertising just a little bit. And I remember thinking, okay, I, I have to be able to make this sustainable for myself. So I started advertising some. And as my college ran out, I remember thinking, okay, it's, it's now or never basically. And it, it ended up working out. So as soon as I graduated, we were able to hire one or two people and we're able to keep those people busy. Now, at this point, 
we were trying to decide, do we build a showroom in town? Do we build a showroom out in the country? Because our cabinet shop out here is located and it has always been located 15 miles from the nearest town of a hundred people. So we're way out in the sticks out here. And, and basically we decided that we would double down on who we are. Okay. So what is that? That was a real change of thought for us. You know, my father told me, he said, we can, we can try to be like everybody else. We can put a showroom in town. We can do all that stuff and try to be like every other cabinet shop, or we can figure out what makes us unique and we can just double down on that. And it was some of the best advice that I had ever been given and it's worked for us. Because of that, we were able to keep our prices a bit lower. We were able to work out of the same facility that we already had established. We've been able to grow on that again and again. And so we found what makes us unique. We found that we're an extremely rural shop. You know, every business has their own story. Every company, every person has their own story. You just got to learn how to tell it. And once you can do that, I think you can really start to market yourselves as a destination or as something that people will want to involve themselves with. When I think about our shop now, you know, I think about you know, what I want people to think about is a quality product that they can get for a good price. Not only that, but we decided to grow this place in a manner that we wanted it to be grown in. So we've been willing to grow it, want to grow it, but we want to do it on our terms. We want to grow it out in the location where we've seen fit, you know? So we're out on the Pemina Trail, which is a some old fur trading route that connected Winnipeg to Minneapolis. It's a gravel road now. Um, it doesn't see one car a day, you know, other than the traffic that we bring in, basically. But it's a very unique, it's got a lot of history to it. Um, you know, it's it's a very unique setting. It's very beautiful in the fall, especially. We do get some, you know, tourist-type people coming and checking out the area around here. But it's very unique, and, and we've been able to kind of tie that history and nature into our establishment here. We're very proud of that now. So some of the stuff that we've kind of, that maybe would be detractors to a company, we've kind of made them into assets, in my opinion. So I think that that's definitely something that everybody can incorporate. And, and, you know, like I said, that was some of the best advice that my father had ever given me was just to figure out who you are and then double down on it, basically. And it's, it's worked out extremely well for us. Some of the other things that, that we definitely faced as we were looking to grow there was the reason for growth, you know, because shortly after we started growing, it, it's been a steady growth. It sometimes seems like a lot, but it's been a very steady growth. And so as we had probably 10 full-time employees, we got up to that, you know, probably within the first five, six years, um, we built our first showroom, we built our second shop. We were kind of, okay, it's getting to be a lot now. But I remember thinking, okay, you know, are we going to keep doing this forever? Are we going to slow down? What's what's the plan, basically? And we thought a lot about it. I think every shop, including ours, needs to decide if it's the right thing for you to do personally and as a company. And, and what I've came up with is that the reason for growth for myself personally is that I owe it to the people before me and the people after me. You know, my father started this company, which is no easy feat. I could only grow this company to what I've done because of what he did. Starting a company from scratch and growing it to one or two employees is every bit as hard as taking a company from one or two employees to 30 employees, in my opinion. I mean, it's it's every bit as hard. And so I owe it to him and I owe it to the people before him. I mean, you look back even a few generations of people that risked everything to come over to this country and worked hard for virtually nothing other than opportunities for their kids and their grandkids and such. I mean, just because we can maybe take it easy now and live in comfort doesn't mean we should, in my opinion. And so I want to keep on, you know, building on what they've kind of started, in my opinion, I guess. But 
And as far as the company side of things go, I want to have potential for our employees. I want to have potential for our employees, which is a huge reason I want to have the growth because if you don't, you know, they have a cap, of course. If you have five employees, there's not a whole lot of room for employee growth. And the other thing is I like to leave our growth up to the customers. So I'm in charge of marketing. I'm the president of the company. I like to oversee the, the direction the company takes. But one of the other roles I take on here is the marketing. And what I feel about marketing is just to let as many potential customers know about who we are and what we stand for and what our product is, and then let them decide if they want it or not. No trying to sway them, no trying to coerce them into it. They'll never be a happy buyer if that's the case. But let them know who we are and what our product is and as many people as possible, and then they can dictate our growth. So if there's enough people who want our product knowing what it is, then we will grow to match them. If there's not enough people who want it, then we're already as big as we're going to get. And that's perfectly fine. We're to a size now where I'm more than happy with that. But if we happen to you know, have enough demand and we need to have 500 employees one day, well, then that, that's what it'll be as well too. So I just try to kind of get out of the way at this point and let the, you know, the company and the, and the customers, employees and stuff dictate what happens, I guess. You brought up a couple of really cool points. I'm very interested in finding out if you only have close to 100 people in the closest town to you and yeah. you've grown to 30 employees over the last so many years, how do you go about trying to get that many employees when the rest of us can't find one? You must be doing something right. Absolutely. I think so. So we tried it the same way everybody else tries it for a while. We put an ad in the newspaper and we said we're hiring and nobody came nobody came nobody came okay and nobody's hiring okay that didn't work well what we did find that works is when you get a good employee out here and you offer them freedom it goes back to the marketing thing where when they find out what you're about if they like that the customers will come just like the employees will you know they see we're about growth they see that we're about opportunity. They see that we're going to give them freedom. So we offer a fair shake to everybody out here. We, If you're willing to come out here and you're willing to work hard and learn a craft, you can do very well. You know, we have a scaled system out here. So if you're a person who wants to come out here and have a lot of freedom, you want to work 30 hours a week, we have a pay structure for that. You're going to get, you know, part-time wage essentially, but they're more than welcome. As long as those 30 hours are consistent, that's great. Now, if you're an employee who wants to come out here and work 50 hours a week, there's a pay structure for that. On top of your overtime, you're going to be getting 5 $6 more per hour on top of your overtime that you're going to be getting after 40 and such, of course, on top of the additional wages and stuff, on top of other benefits, health insurance, stipends, um, other things as well too. But we're also going to be advancing those employees. Along with being a growing company, there's a lot of employee opportunities. So for those employees who are wanting to work and wanting to better themselves, they're going to find out that within six, seven months, they're probably going to have worked themselves into a lead of a department. They're probably going to have worked themselves into you know, a very intricate position, and we're going to be offering that to them very soon as opposed to most places. So, And I think that word travels very fast. And the other thing that my, my father's always said as well, too, is that if woodworking, unfortunately, isn't the best paying position out there. It, it plain and simply isn't, and that's unfortunate, but it is fun work. It's very rewarding work. It's great work. And, you know, if it did pay great, everybody would do it. You know, with us pushing the volume through that we're pushing and it being fun work, we can pay a very competitive wage 
And with word of mouth through our employees being happy and, and a competitive wage and competitive benefits, you know, it seems like we haven't had the issue that a lot of places have. We've got a great staff. We've got our core crew of people. Uh, they've been with us for many years now, which is one of the things that's helped us huge to the growth. And those core crew of people that we have are invaluable. They are as intricate a part of this as I am. I let them do what they what they need to do, and I entrust them entirely because they're better at their job than I would be at their job. And, and I'm grateful that they're you know willing to be a part of this. And I, I always let them know that when this company truly takes off, they will be a part of that as well, too. And I, I truly feel that way. Oh, well, the other thing, I guess, to kind of go along with that is uh, your marketing. I get kind of a nice little deal where, you know, I can see where you get a niche little market with people coming out into the country, feeling like they're going somewhere special to have something special made for them. But what type of marketing are you doing? Facebook, Google ads, old-fashioned newspapers, how are you handling your marketing for the program? Absolutely. So, like you said, the old-fashioned marketing, we do some, like we do some newspaper stuff and we do the local stuff just to support the local stuff. I, I do feel that's important. I, I I really like the local high schools. I like all that kind of thing. Like you said, the local area here, people like that coming out to our local area. A few things we've done to kind of collaborate on, uh, build on that, I should say, is we actually just bought an old city park playground for employees to bring their kids out to. We brought... Uh, um, we're completely refurbishing that here now, which is pretty neat. We actually dug a really nice fish pond right behind our shop for employees to have uh, breaks in front of and stuff as well, too, which, of course, that's all extremely neat. We built a really neat little oasis out here, honestly. But on top of that, social media is huge. Social media is huge. Everybody says it, and they're not mistaken. We started using social media before a lot of other cabinet shops did, which I think helped us, of course. Any advertising we do is pretty much through social media. I like advertising in other ways, too. We do some billboards, some uh, tangible uh, marketing, if you will. I, I like doing that. We do some advertising on the TV, uh, some different things like that. But most of our advertising dollars, whether for employees or whether for work, is typically done on social media. And Facebook is our biggest one, I would say, just because of the demographic. And I know a lot of people now, you know, Instagram has probably the biggest following, but that's typically a younger audience. TikTok is bigger than, than most any of them, but that's you know a much younger audience. Well, especially with customers, I would say most Instagram users, most TikTokers are not looking to purchase cabinets. I'd say most Facebook users are looking to purchase cabinets. You know, they're of that age now. You probably will pick up some employees and such on, on those ones now, but it seems like the best days for finding employees on social media is maybe behind us. But it seems like the best days for finding customers for us on Facebook are still doing great on Facebook. It seems like there's other ones too. LinkedIn seems like a great one for finding employees. That seems like a fantastic one. They're all there. And the way I look at social media is that it is a tool for us to use. It's a platform for everybody. And it happens to be a great tool for us to use as companies. I know it can sometimes get annoying for the user, so but you know it works. So you have to use it. You have to use it as a company to get your name out there some more. In comparison to other ways of advertising, it's so cheap, and everybody's using it. You can go to the to the movie theater, and you know you can advertise on the movie theater screen, which is great. But before the movie, when the ads are playing, everybody's on their phone. They're looking through their social media. So you can advertise on social media, which is way cheaper, or you can advertise at the movie theater, which is a lot more money than just advertising on social media. And in my opinion, the social media dollars are much better spent. So you are using paid Facebook ads 
Correct. Yeah. So are you dealing mostly directly with homeowners then, or are you do you have general contractors and interior designers that you're working with? Okay. So that started out many years ago. It was only homeowners to speak of. That slowly changed over the years. Now I would say definitely the majority of it is builders for sure. We do a fair amount of commercial now as well too. My father no longer, he stopped working with the commercial place many years ago now as we took off. Now we run about 30, I think it's 32 full-time employees out here now. You know, it's really been busy for us. The most growth came from when we started working with our large builders. Anybody looking to grow their companies out there, what I can tell you is keep doing what you're doing. Nothing really changes. It just keeps getting bigger from what I've seen. Now, there's a lot bigger shops out there than us. I, I know that. But from what I've seen, it just keeps getting bigger on a, the same type of scale. So um, what I mean by that is when I first started doing this, I would go out and I'd meet with homeowners and I'd take on their project or I'd go meet up with homeowners one day a week. And then as I grew, it got to be two days a week. And then as I continued to grow, it got to be maybe five days a week. And it was 10 appointments a week. And, and, and now I'm to the point where I'm meeting with, instead of meeting with homeowners those days, I'm meeting in boardrooms with large scale home builders four days a week and trying to take on their cabinet making for their homes and they're building, you know, 100 homes a year, 200 homes a year. So nothing really changes. It just keeps getting on a larger scale. And a lot of those builders now are working in, in uh, the Fargo market and the Grand Forks market and the Detroit Lakes market. And we're doing apartment complexes. We found kind of a niche right now in uh, luxury apartments. That's been really big for us now. We're doing a lot of those high-end ones. We don't really dabble in the the cheap apartments and such. There's cheap cabinets out there. They can go buy them. I don't want to produce low-end stuff. Our vision, like I said, we made sure we know who we are as a company and we stick with that. There will be enough demand out there for that, in my opinion. We produce a good quality cabinet at a fair price. It's, it's a great price, in my opinion, for what you're getting. I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a better quality cabinet at this price. And so I don't want to cheapen our product. I don't want to do that. I want to continue providing this for everybody. One of my future plans is to provide to the coast. I want to get out to New York. I want to get out to California because their manufacturing costs are so expensive that I think even with our additional shipping costs, I think we can beat them. That's one of my future plans for this company. And, and I'd like to see us get there. You know, there's a lot of different plans that I want to get implemented, but you know, that's future stuff, of course. But yeah, right now we're, we're typically working through big commercial builders. We work through big home builders. We still work through individual homeowners as well, too. That's still probably, I would say, 40% of our business, maybe 30%. We still run our own install crews. We handle everything. We start out with a stack of sheet goods and a stack of lumber, and we make everything in-house here. We make all of our own doors. We used to make cabinet doors for other cabinet shops as well, too. On occasion, if another cabinet shop we know is in a pinch, we'll still help them out with that. But we've kind of gotten so busy that we kind of shy away from that a little bit more now, I guess. So are you doing your own, I'm assuming you're doing your own finished work in the house also then? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yep. We just actually bought a uh, automated finish line as well. And so we're just getting that implemented now. We're just getting that set up here. So we're very excited to see how that, how that works out. It's constantly upgrading and learning and automating and, and uh, trying new things. You know, that's the name of the game. It's uh, expensive and it, but it's fun to keep trying, keep learning, keep failing, keep going, you know, just keep at it. The company that can keep at it the longest and just keep going and trying to innovate and keep on, keep on keeping on, I guess, you know, that's what they say, but just to, to keep at it. I think that's, that's hopefully the trick because that's what we're sure trying. That degree program you were talking about that they basically set up for you, 
your associate's a business degree. Yep. Is that a, a degree that's available to students now? It is. So that's through Northland Community and Technical College. It's a local tech school here. I was going to the University of Minnesota, and then they decided, um, like I said, I wanted to transfer. When I transferred, I told them, I said, this is what I'm doing, and they were absolutely fantastic. They worked with me to get me the program that I wanted. I told them what I was doing, fully transparent, and they were so good to work with. From what I've found with people, if you're willing to ask, they're willing to help. That's the case with everything. I've had that be the case so often, you know, and they, they want to help. Most people want to help. And if you're willing to ask them, you know, can you do this to suit me? Most people, most places, most companies are willing to do that. You know, it was all programs they offered, but they were more than willing to do it. They hadn't offered, you know, that program ever, but it was something that they could offer without adding any additional classes. It was just to tailor suit the classes they already had to that program to make it work for me. So I was glad they did it. I'm sure they would continue to do it again. I was wondering if you've had any of your employees go through that program or... I have not. I have not. We do have some employees that have gone to there for the woodworking program. My brother-in-law, he actually went for the carpentry program and became a licensed contractor. Now he works for us. He took over our installation after he graduated. Now he's actually mostly doing our countertops. He's the vice president of the company. Um, and then we have another younger gentleman who's doing installing for us, who graduated from there in the carpentry program as well, too, who's doing our inst- a lot of our installation for us as well. My nephew is actually going to be graduating high school in a few years, and he's going to be going there as well, too. And he's wondering what to go for. I just had a conversation with him last weekend about it, and that may be something that he pursues as well. So I guess that brings up another question. All the new employees you have, and the training and everything they need. Are you doing that mostly in-house and what sort of a program do you have in place for that? Correct. So everything we do is in-house. You know, there is some local tech schools and we do hire from those local tech schools when possible. There's less and less interest in those local tech schools. We do have a lot of local kids who are going to uh, local high school shop classes. We get a lot of people coming right from like high school shop classes are coming in right after they graduate and saying, you know, we loved high school shop. We're looking for a job and we've hired a lot of those kids. That's a great thing. I'm glad to see that the high schools are still focusing on that. I know around the country, they're cutting a lot of those into classes and that's terrible. There's a need for education of every sort, but industrial arts is no different. I mean, you need to have that. Myself included, I grew up around woodworking. I, I knew it real well, but I didn't know metalworking. And so when I took welding in high school. I learned so much in that class. I learned and used welding far more than I learned in trigonometry. I think it's so sad to see that not be the case. But yeah, as far as our in-house training and such here, we do most everything in-house. We've got a system in place where how we do it is we have our core employees. Like I said, we have those 15 core employees roughly, and those people are the life source of this company. They've been here for a very long time. They've been trained in by myself or my father or Ken Broughton is the longest longtime employee from here. He's been here almost since the beginning. We've trained in almost all those 15 employees. And so they've done things the same out here since we did in the beginning, or they've brought their own good techniques in from other places as well too. You know, it's been working for us great so far. Those same people oversee those same departments until they're completely competent and trained in. You know, and, and it goes back to, like I said, where as we continue to grow, everything stays the same. It just gets bigger. And that's, it goes back to the woodworking itself too. You know, back when it was just me and my father and maybe one other person, we did everything. We did in the shop. I did the cutting. I did the finishing. 
I did the uh, the machining. Well, now it's just departmentalized, of course. Now we just have, you know, three people in the machining department. We have, you know, two people who do all the CNCing. We have six people in the finishing department. We have, you know, two people in the designing department, you know, so it's everything is just broken down much more. And then I myself try to do what I can to oversee a lot of things. And then I have a few people appointed to oversee a lot of things as well, too. So it all gets done in the exact same manner as it used to, you know, but we're just trying to do what we can to make sure that we can scale that successfully. So I guess while we kind of fine tune everything here with, uh, kind of like, what are your projections? Where do you want to be five years from now with the company that you've grown this large? Where do you hope to be? What I would like to do is to keep letting people know who we are, what we do. Like I said, we are, in my opinion, we're a great company that puts out a great product at a great price. We won those Wood Diamond Awards. I put that in high regard. It's from a great organization with the CMA. We're up against some of the greatest cabinet shops in the world. A lot of people would maybe think the Wood Diamond Awards, you know, they want to have the $100,000 kitchens or more. I prefer actually to be in the $25,000 or less or the $50,000 or less because that means we're affordable. I want to have products affordable to the everyday person. That's the mold of our shop, and that's what I want. I want to have kitchens that are accessible. Now, we also do the other thing. We do several multi-million dollar homes every year, and I want to do that as well too, but I want people to get a value when they buy from us. I want to be attainable for everybody, and I want to put out a product where people are not overpaying for us. That's the biggest thing, and like I said, as far as growth, wherever that gets us, that's fantastic. I want to grow as much as the demand is and nothing more. If that happens to be 500 people, that's fantastic. If that happens to be 5,000 employees, that's fantastic. If it happens to be that we stay around 30, that's fine as well. I just want to put the message out there so that I'm not limiting our growth. I want to put our message out there as much as we can. I don't want this necessarily to be a family business. I want to have a successful family. I want to have a successful company if my family wants to run the company, great. But if there's another person, say it's uh, somebody different that's not in the family, or maybe it's an employee's son or daughter that wants to step in and run the company. One day. I'm open to that as well, too. That doesn't have to be my son or daughter that decides they want to run the company. Whoever is the best fit for that, whoever wants to take the reins and do it as good as possible, that's great. I'm, I'm all for that. I just want to have a successful company for years to come. And I, of course, I want my family to be extremely successful as well, too, but they don't have to coincide. I just want to see this company work out and I want to see growth for the community, for the area and for my family, of course. But I want to see this become what it can become, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, thank you, Marcus, for joining us today. It's been uh, very insightful and wish you luck in all your future endeavors. Thank you so much for having me. I sure appreciate it. The CMA is a fantastic organization. I cannot say enough good about it. I really appreciate everything you guys have done for me and for our company here, just giving us a platform to kind of share our story on and, and for me to learn from other cabinet shops as well, too. I cannot thank you guys enough for this. Thank you so much. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Pro Cabinet Maker. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact the woodworking industry. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And if you'd like more information about the Cabinet Makers Association, be sure to visit us online at cabinetmakers.org. See you next time.